Listen up, squibs. You may find this podcast to be fucking explicit. Welcome back to another episode of Full Metal RPG. This is episode 34, if you can fucking believe it. I am your host, Brendan Carrion, and I am joined today by Full Metal Ben. What up, Leia? What's going on? Ben's back. And we got Shadow Sworn Adam. Bienvenidos. All right. And today we are joined by iProfit from the Uninvited Gamers. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. And I'm glad you're here too. The big, the big thing that we're talking about today is Palladium Games. And I, I was listening to uh, it's the, the the full name of the podcast that you're on is Glory Hound. That's with two D's, right? Correct. And the Uninvited Gamers. That's another local area Phoenix podcast. Um, you may, you guys who are listening may remember Richard Newby. He was on this uh, this podcast a couple weeks ago. He's a he's a he's a friend of the podcast. We love we love Richard. So when I heard that he was on a podcast, I had to start listening to it. I profit is on said podcast, and I was listening, and he was talking about Palladium games and his love of Palladium games. And I thought to myself, "Well, shit, that is not something you hear all the time." But Palladium games have been around forever. They've been around forever. They're like they're like a they're they're a standard bearer in the community now. I remember them from when I was like eleven, ten or eleven. Um, right. There was the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles game, and you know, then there was the uh, a Vietnam game. I remember. Yeah, that was the Vietnam uh, game. Recon, uh, right. I remember that one being recon. incredibly lethal, and I remember the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles one being awesome and a lot of fun. And I remember Riffs. Riffs been around for it ever i i when you uh said the tmnt that was the first palladium game i ever played and that's when i started gming back in like the sixth grade that's the first so, right uh, Palladium well, game shit. i ever played uh that's my first question for you and we've already all right we've already covered it that's great no that's good that's a good starting point um so yeah we're gonna be talking about palladium today which i'm really stoked to do because i mean here we go just just getting started and everybody already has these memories of palladium people are you know, but you don't meet a lot of guys who are like, "No, Palladium is my jam." So let's break it open. Let's talk about let's talk about the sort of August history of this company and its various product lines and what people get out of it. Um, yeah. So, but before we get to any of that shit, we have the usual thing, and we're gonna start this time with some bookkeeping, everybody. So uh, first, first on my list is the Arizona Game Fair. Which is coming up here in Arizona. It's gonna be at the Mesa Convention Center, January twenty first and twenty second, which is not this weekend, but it's it is next weekend. So it We're is. We're gonna be recording there, right? We will be on site recording on Sunday in the afternoon evening, um, and. We're gonna have some people running, running there. I will be running. How? How? Who else is running? Anybody running? I am not. I, I am GMing on Sunday. Oh, cool. On Sunday, great. And what game are you running? I'm running a Rifts um, setting game, and it's one I came up on my own. Right on. Oh, nice. What What time is your session? My session, I believe it's 10 a.m., and it's a four-hour block. 
it could run a little long depending on the players. Man, hey, those <laughs> games like those four-hour blocks go quick. They do. Yeah, yeah. And it it really comes down to like because you know when you have like a scenario and you know you have a limited amount of time, you try and kind of break it up in blocks and and try and have some kind of flow and make sure it doesn't stall out. But right, some. You know, like I've played this one scenario multiple times and, you know, a bunch of times it went fine. But every once in a while you have that one where like the players, they seem like you almost you're forcing them to do it. And they keep kind of, you know, they're I think I think they're anxious about doing the wrong thing, maybe. And so they they kind of stall out and or do something really kind of off the path kind of thing. And right. Or so maybe they it, don't gel as a group or. Yes. That, like that can be oh, yeah. Causing like everybody's kind of awkward. Everybody else. Yeah. 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 That, you can have oh, that happen. Right. You know, a lot of times, you know, if you have someone that's kind of leading the charge, you know, a lot of times you kind of just have to follow that person or, uh, you know, get left behind kind of thing. But. Yeah. I mean, God bless the, uh, the gamers that have that sense of initiative. Right. I mean, sometimes people are like, Oh, uh, dominating personalities, get a lot of love at the gaming table but i will tell you man as a gm when 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 uh, a silence is beginning to fall and i get that one guy or girl who's at the table and they're like well i start doing this and this and this then i then i at least have something i can do i have something right. i can like i can latch on to that we can a fulcrum around which we can move this story right right i i don't gm so that i can talk to myself with NPC voices. <laughs> oh my God, I know, right? I mean, Somebody not that should... I don't like to interact that way, but I don't want to just sit there and then listen to me like sure. oh, I'm yeah. on stage. Well, yeah, if you want to not... do that, you just you get a box and you put on a puppet <laughs> yeah. show because they have that already. That's it, a thing you can do. It ain't Punch and Judy, right? right? And I wish that fucking some of these guys who write who write modules would, would remember that because it's like these these huge casts of like 13 NPCs. They're all hanging out in one room with the, with the uh, PCs. It's just, man, it's a right. super bummer. Well, the worst is when they start arguing with each other. And this is when this NPC gets an argument with this NPC. Dude. And going, man, how am I going to do that? Dude, I know, right? Um, anyway, so all that was a huge digression from Arizona Game Fair. I will be there. iProfit will be there. I'm going to be running uh, Carcosa. And I think that I'll be using our friend Diogo's Sharp Swords and Sinister Spells oh, as cool. the engine. Nice. Um, because he pointed out to me after our review, he said, one of the things that bummed me out about your review was that you called it a generic fantasy uh, uh, role-playing game. He goes, it is not generic fantasy. He says, there's no healing magic and there's no alternate races. He goes, it's a sword and sorcery role-playing game. And I was like, you know what? Man? That's actually I, very fair. That is he's, totally yep, fair. He's very accurate. Uh, completely on the nose. But I think that that's why even when I was reading it, I was like, oh, I really want to use this for Carcosa. Because Carcosa is very sore and sorcery, and it just felt right. It just the the the, the tone of Sharp Swords and Sinister Spells just fits very well with Carcosa, and the Carcosa system's a little weird, so I don't know if I if I love it. Um, so Diogo, I apologize. And in a second, we're gonna go ahead and we're gonna list off some of the other responses that we got from you about about what was going on with our review. Um, of which it, there were several other. There were there were a couple other things. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I'll be there doing Carcosa. I'll also be doing the first few rooms of Beneath the Inverted Church by uh, Justin Saroyce. Um, both of those are gonna be like X card heavy, like adults only games. So if you want to come down to uh, Arizona Game Fair. highly recommend you come down, you check out the role-playing that's going on. A lot of talented GMs are down there. Now it turns out that iProfit's going to be down there, and shit, 
I think I'm running at the same time or else I'd be sitting there playing some rifts because I haven't had an opportunity to play rifts in like fucking, I don't know, 25 years or something. Um, next on the list, <coughs> Diogo. Oh boy, Diogo. He wasn't, he was not upset. I just want to, I just want to point out that he was not upset. Are you sure? He actually wrote me and he said that he really liked our review of his work because, um, as he put it, we understood his influences better than some of the other people that have that have reviewed Sharp Swords and Sinister Spells. And he very graciously said that it's probably because we're such well-rendered gamers, to which I say, Diogo, thank you, my friend. My hat is off to you. That is a very kind compliment. But you know what? I'll take it. I will, I, I'll take it. Thank you, sir. It's not every day that somebody says something nice about you, right? True. And it's almost every day that somebody says something shit. <laughs> so, um. All right, so basically, what Diogo really wants us to know is that, okay, it's, a, it's, an old, it's an OSR game, but he wants us to remember that it has a narrative twist to it. That, because I, I would just read this, but it's like two pages long. It, it wouldn't make for good radio. I'm well, just going to kind of summarize it. Oh, okay, great. Yeah. Oh, you know what? I should have done that earlier. Yeah. So, That's all right. You know, all this good. Still, I'm still catching up with this technology shit. Um, it's an old school game. He, he, it's a narrative flavor. And what he really wants to get across to people is to remember the first rule that's in almost every role playing book, which is it's your fucking game. Right, do with it what you the want. Rules if you. So when you and you and me and Ben are sitting here and we're all like, well, I think that the the the, the it goes down this way and then right. it goes up so this way. That, to explain that a little bit, and as I said, like I am a software engineer by trade, so I think about things in terms of rules um, because programming is a very functional, pragmatic approach to how things work, and it is a very tell the computer to do X and it gives you Y in return. Right. Um, so that's just how I think. Um, that's not a, a dig or an X or that's not to excuse it or to act as a dig against anything else. This is the way that I view the world. Um, so I have that very kind of uh, I, I look at the world through that lens. Um, right, right. Well, what he says is he really wants us to do our own thing with it. Um, and I think I think I came across a little bit in our podcast where I was attracted more to say like the narrative parts than I think that that uh, others were and then others were more attracted to like, uh, you know, some of the more like OSR parts of that of that right. game. Right. And I think that's a big thing about role playing that, you know, a lot of people can tend to forget is that, you know, you should make it your own. I mean, if you have a board game and you have house rules, you know, everyone's fine with that, you know. Uh, yeah. For, yeah. For, it's it, I think there is always that one power not and not even to saw them a power gamer even but like there are rules lawyers though who you will run into who will get you know on Min this page it says this you know and you're just like well and i know because there were times when i did that sort of thing when i was younger where i was just like no and they're like i built my character around this one thing i could do because of these rules and 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 you do have to at least be able to deal with that or at least be able to go like, hey, you know, well, that's not really what we're about. That's not really what I'm trying to do here and, and explain it to them in, in a way. Um, well, th- I think that's where communication really comes it in. Does. So because, right, you'd be really disappointed if you revolved your character around this like uh, combo of abilities and equipment or something like that. And then the GM's like, yeah, I'm not really digging that, you know, but if you came to him beforehand, you're like, look, this is what I'm interested in doing. This is what I want to try and do. And if you get that sign off, then 
I think it's going to go a lot better. You, you don't want to necessarily just surprise people and be like, oh, yeah, I'm really actually way more powerful <laughs> than anyone anticipated. Yeah. And them have to a really lot of that win doesn't even game. come out till in-game, though. Like, a lot of that stuff just gets sprung on you in the middle where you're like, whoa, holy cow. Yeah, well, let's face it. Some people know. I'm not naming names. <laughs> ben. <laughs> some people know when they're doing that. Some people don't. Yeah. Um, oh, I definitely know when I'm doing it. Oh, I... I, I just know that I'm not doing it because I never am. I'm like, I'm like, fighters are cool. I'm going to no. take a great cleave. I do um, it sometimes. There are definitely like, uh, yeah, there was a time when I was playing Shadowrun where I was definitely doing it because everyone else at the table was doing it. So I said, okay, we're going to play that game. And uh, mine was the most broken of the broken to the to the point where the GM just and, killed that character. And everyone had so much fun, right? Yeah, we all yeah. had a great time. So Almost much had fun was had. All right, so um, so I will sort of get into some of the things that, that Diogo wanted to point about the actual rule set. He says, and this, I'm, I'm reading right from his email, so about the warrior's ability to increase the d- damage die and armor reduction. Right. What works for you? Question mark. My personal intention was to increase the damage after it has been reduced by armor, so warriors would inflict 1d4 minimum of damage. So in your face. (laughs) He says, (laughs) about unarmed damage. I would say base damage is 1d2, which we did not. That was what I said. Did you say that? I said a d2. Well, there you go. There you go. See, sir? There you go. 1d3 for warriors since they increase the damage. Okay. He says, but that's me as a referee. What would make sense to you? Makes perfect sense. I, I like that too. Um, then there was something about complications that I don't even necessarily remember what we were saying about it. Um, the one that he really got us on was shields. the shield. We were way off on shields because yeah, we were goes, reading the table and not the actual text goes, that explained yeah. the table. He guys, uh, he, he says, you guys understood shields a bit wrong. <laughs> to to like, put it mildly, yeah, we're, that we're, was, we were way off on oh shields. He boy. was, uh, yeah. He says, a large shield does not give three negative dice to every attack against it. It can, per round, give three negative dice to attacks. Now, if it can give three to just one and all the others are free to hit it, that's up to the rest free. I usually just allow one neg per attack. So it can impose the neg die to three attacks. Cool. All right, that makes totally perfect, perfect sense. Then this is the one. This is the this is the one that I found most kind of like 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 eyebrow raising. I was like, whoa, because remember we talked about the leveling up. And uh-huh. Sure. Says, and he says, yes, leveling up is harsh. I know it's on purpose. OSR is really much more about low to mid level, which I thought that was an interesting statement. I never really thought about that. Mm-hmm. He says that's where the fun is, right? And high-level characters should be really rare. So, yeah, my interpretation is two adventures to level two, three more to level three, four more to level four, etc. So that means to get to, like, 20th level or whatever, it's like 20 adventures. Hey. It's like fucking brutal. Just to go from 19 to 20. Brutal. Um, then uh, he says, I'm also planning on releasing a setting I've been using with my Sword and Sorcery game for right years. On. It's going to be released after the addendum. And then... Um, and then he puts in a couple links, and uh, he points out that physical copies are available at lulu.com, and there's a third-party supplement for the game that has some magic items that are right in spirit with the game. Oh, cool. And that is cool. You That's kind of what you wanted, right? Yeah, that's what about I that. Yeah, it's, it's called Shattered Moon and Sundered Earth, book oh, cool. one, um, and that is on rpgnow.com. Nice. Well, hopefully his uh, 
in his setting he puts out there aren't like three trolls named Brendan, Ben, and Adam that like <laughs> oh, sit, oh in, sit under a bridge. Well, that's immortality <laughs> right there. <laughs> yeah. I'm actually looking forward to seeing that setting book. I think that should be pretty rad. And yeah. uh, as an aside and a side note, um, that book now has a print version available for, for other than other than the Lulu one. Lulu right. other does than have the Lulu print one. So now you can go to Drive Through RPG where it was pay what you want for the PDF, which we paid for, and you can get a print version. Um, well, so, two or three of us paid for it. Yeah, yeah. Shuddy. So if you are <laughs> into that. if you are into uh, having a print copy of your books, if you need the Dead Tree version, uh, making Baby Groot cry. Um, then yeah, go out and get uh, your print-on-demand version. Oh, right and, and I will because and I will too. I think it's. I think I, think I want it, it as well. It's a very worthwhile um, uh, book, and I think it's a good addition to the collection. And uh, if you don't have it yet, it's got then some rad art. What are you even doing with your life? Is my question. All right. So uh, last last bookkeeping thing is, it's been a while since we gave a shout out to Coliseum Rex in Sunderland, UK, uh, staffed by the mighty Jamie. Uh, Jay Baphomet, man, fucking what up, playa? So, uh, if you are in the Sunderland area or the surrounding, um, I don't know, region, you're looking for a place to play, looking for a place to pick up some magic cards, some role-playing games, whatever, what have you, get your ass to Coliseum Rex. I know I've said this many times, but Jay, who runs the front there, is a fucking... I mean, the guy is a role-playing stud. And, and he kills I, it with pictures on his Instagram of classic games and his oh, collection. Man. And he's got a he's got just Dude, an amazing he, set of books. He's just, and he, I mean, and beyond just owning a bunch of shit, he's a wise guy in the way of role-playing. He knows his fucking shit. And he plays magic like a motherfucker. He plays Warhammer like a motherfucker. Get your ass down there. Talk to Jamie. You know, get wired into that killer-ass community he has down there. Um, I really can't say more. Oh, and also he's the like uh European distributor or whatever of um Shadows of Estrin. Yeah, he so is. And, if um, you need yeah, some Shadows of Estrin shit, which is unlikely considering that fucking Kickstarter just happened the way it did. Um, what happened? Well, I mean, the you know they you they, there was a there was a tier where you could buy everything. Oh, right, right, right. There yeah. was the buy everything. There tier. was the buy everything tier, and so. Yeah. You know, I, if you if you did the buy I everything tier, I actually had a bunch that I bought before that, so it wasn't really a good tier for me. I needed the pick and choose tier. Well, um, we still need to do the um, the intro adventure. We do need to do the intro adventure. actual play. Yeah. So we need to work. We need you know. We got to we'll sync talk. up on that. All right, we'll talk. Maybe I'll just run down Arizona Game Fair. <laughs> <laughs> no, son of a son of a bitch. I'm not gonna do that. It, you, uh, but I will be seeing you there because be there. you have a pass, yep. and I have you have a pass. pass, and I have a pass, and I'll be seeing you guys there. If you just want to play some games, that's fine. Thanks, Oprah. Maybe I will just set up the old, you know what? Maybe I'll just set up the computer, and you guys can do some fucking podcasting without me while I'm busy running games and doing GM I'll shit. I'll just do Stream of Consciousness James Joyce podcasting. How is that different than usual? Uh, it's really not. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it. All right, I'll all be right, drunker, all right. I guess I'll be drunker. I, is, be oh, is there going to be open containers allowed at this thing? I Probably hope. not, but God, I, mean, I, I hope can just so. make that happen. Um, all right, guys, There's all right, bathrooms. all right. Down to business, guys. Down to business. All right, so um, we've now come to the part of the show where we talk about what have you been doing in terms of gaming. I Profit, you want to get us started on that, man? Well, you, you run anything right now? I running anything, uh, role playing wise. Yeah, you run anything. You playing anything? Board gaming wise. Yeah, are you, obsess- are you obsessing over anything? Like, are you like fiending hard for all like, kinds of gaming? 
Well, you know, I just, I, I don't know what to make of it quite yet. I have a friend that wants to try this system. It seems like it doesn't have a print version yet. Um, Legacy of Light or something like that. Have you heard I of it? I have never heard of it. I have not either. And Neither have I. I, I, I want to say it's, it's kind of based around like D&D 4th Edition-esque. Okay. Uh, it seems similar to that in my mind. Why would somebody want to do that? It seems to me like that's the most reviled edition ever. You know, but I, I think there's different uh, play styles. <laughs> I, I I will say I will say that that uh, we are still playing that Game World game that's based on fourth edition, and it's actually yep. really fun. I so, still hold my lighter up for fourth edition, man. It's I, fourth edition D and will never play again. But games based on it that use some of the stuff and and uh, and pick and choose, I don't see a problem. I feel like fourth edition was kind of like uh, trying to be similar to like modern video games it was yeah yes. very much was so, and you know, so there's a lot of people who uh, yeah there were a lot of people who reacted very intensely negatively towards it for that reason i will say as both a player and a dm or as a gm dungeon master dm um as a dm it was the easiest addition to prep a session for because everything was very video gamey where it was okay leveling a monster is these adjustments to its stats these adjustments to its hit points there's these different kind of monsters you have a controller monster you've got a a soldier monster you've got an artillery monster have and so it? building out uh uh, encounters and everything was super intuitive and super easy because everything just kind of plugged in. And as a player, I really liked it just because I had so many options to do crazy stuff as a player. But I understand that people absolutely hated it. I'm in the minority on this one. And I will go to my grave as an apologist for D&D 4th. Um, and I'm sure I will be reviled and spit upon. And But that's okay. I, uh, I think it's great just to have options. Yeah. You know, because you know, sometimes you kind of want to get in there and kind of just do hack and slash. You kind of want to you know, just be in the thick of it. And, you know, other times you do want to just have no combat the whole session and right. just talk it out. So I think there's a place for everything. You know, it's kind of like when people bash different types of music or something like that. That's silly. You know, it's like that may not be your favorite and that's fine. You know, someone might prefer it over something else. And, you know, there are I th- there's room for it all, I think. Right. I, take I like your dark point. wave electro, but industrial can rot in a garbage but, pile. But here's the, here's the thing. We've, all, we've already kind of agreed. There's a consensus around us that, that, that the point of D&D 4 was to emulate the experience of playing a video game. And I, I, I don't want to be a contrarian or a stick in the mud, even though I often find myself in that role as a person. But... If you want to play a video game, then just go play a video game. Like, why make a role-playing game out of it? Because because the thing about a role-playing game is it's a suboptimal version of video game. The one that right. you may want to play may not exist, though. And I don't have any control over the narrative of Fallout 4. I don't have any control over the narrative of Baldur's Gate. But I have was, a lot of control there, over the narrative of Were there of a narratives game. in 4E? It seems like there were, like, in lots of... In all of my games there were. I don't know what, who you were playing with. But, like, I, I think you know me as a narrative-story-driven... Uh, gamer and I didn't just sit in there and go bloop 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 it's Pac-Man the role-playing game to eat the dots and go chase the ghosts did you get to play it I profit did you get to play four we I I I played it very briefly I I mostly got have gotten feedback and that was my impression so that's why I'm kind of interested in this kind of mini campaign we're not sure how deep it's going to go we just you know, made up characters this last weekend. So cool. Um, just go in with an open mind. That's all I ask. Who's who's playing in that? Is Richard playing in that? Uh, no, he's not. But um, 
Glory Hound and uh, Glory Hog uh, and my wife, you know, just Colleen are going to be in that. So solid. Solid. So, so we'll be hearing about it on the podcast then. We probably will hear about it on the podcast and it should be kind of interesting group. We're starting to side more towards uh, uh, the less represented races. So, um, you know, like there's so far, there's a, a goblin, a dark elf, uh, a deep dwarf, and um, there's some other race where it's like a kind of like a fire elemental kind of race. So. It's like a underdark campaign kind of similar, yeah. So that's kind of cool. So kind of you know not I don't think we'll quite just be going out you know for the the evils and, and that kind of thing, but you know we have a different perspective, so it might make for an interesting session or two. So. Cool, good, good. Well, look forward to hearing about that. What have you two skulldoggerous motherfuckers been up to? <laughs> well, I've been up to pitifully little because of the fact that I got fucking ill. I had to miss both Giovanni Not Chronicles. Like 90s style ill. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no. I wasn't you, I wasn't did like you have a license. No, I, I, I had no license to down Ill. with the sickness, anything like that. Just actually being very yeah, violently I, sick it, and it was, ill. Yes, exactly. And so I missed out on two games this weekend that I was scheduled to play in. Which were, of course, Giovanni Chronicles and Gamma World, which was really sad because I was looking forward to those fucking games for like weeks. I read the write up of the Gamma World session that you missed, and it sounded fucking rad. So, and uh, that's, what I, that's what I told Adam. I said I hadn't read it yet, but but Brandon yeah. said it was fucking it was, amazing. And we just had to find a way to get him out of the thing, and then they had to do a rescue mission for you, essentially. So, yeah, okay. it sounded pretty good, though. I gotta say, to be totally honest, I was reading that the it was on FullMetalRPG.com, the write up of the session, and I was wishing I was at it. So, yeah, sorry. That was the one with the um, the aliens or yeah, abduction. Yeah. That was yeah. the alien abduction one, yes, where he 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 got pulled up. Uh, this guy, Whitley Stryber style communion. <laughs> this guy into does the his air. research. I love it. And uh, <laughs> it sounded like a really fun adventure. Yeah. So. The the game has been stellar so far, and like I said, I've been looking forward to playing in both games, and I am just sad I was not. But I mean, I saved you all from not catching my sickness. There's that. Yeah, there's always that. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. Yeah. Um, Adam, what you got, buddy? Uh, so there was the Gamma World session that I ran. That was a lot of fun. Uh, write-ups available at FullMetalRPG.com, so you can check out what you missed. So you're back in the loop, Ben. Um, I will. And then uh, we've been doing Kill Team. Kill Team. So yeah. uh, I have okay. also done a write-up on the Warhammer bender that I went on. I Not read that as Warhammer, well. Miniatures bender on FullMetalRPG.com. I, I hear where, you're now actually an Infinity player, too. Is that correct? Uh, I have a Operation Ice Storm box set that I have. Oh. So I've got Pan Oceana and... Uh, uh, nomads, nomads. <laughs> and so I have that. I haven't really gotten. Welcome into to the club, yet, buddy. Yeah, Welcome thanks. to the club. I am um, so stoked for you to play Infinity with us, dude. I'm yeah, so stoked. I am now like uh, I'm like boxes of minis, and then I got all of my Necrons and Eldar and Orcs out of the attic, and my wife came into the computer room and was like, "What is all this stuff?" And I was like, well, "She's like, I thought you got rid of all this." Like, well, it's, like it's kind of in the thing here, so I just gonna. So um yeah, uh, it is currently now taking up a large amount of space in my life again. Um, yeah, so uh, Adam and I decided to get into 40K Kill Team. And, of course, um, this is the moment that I've been waiting for for literally years. I have been pining to buy a Dark Eldar army for something like five years. I've been wanting to buy a Dark Eldar <laughs> army so bad. It's like it was just... It was it was almost like entropy. Like I was just being sucked into this dark Eldar. Well, it's a army. fortuitous time for you as well because there's supposed to be a what a 
racers of Cormorant game or something where it's oh the, gangs of uh, gangs, gangs, of, gangs of Kimura yeah of Kimura yeah. and then uh, and then there's supposed to be a box set that's contains the Dark Eldar again yeah that's a rumor that the Kadia box set is gonna have because I remember Eldar there were Dark Eldar in the box set when I got into 40k last time third edition third edition uh, which was Space Marines and Dark Eldar yeah uh, Black Templars and Dark yeah Eldar. Black Templars no, and Dark nonetheless Eldar. well I, were they their own codex back then I don't no yeah, no they were it was, it was just Space they Marines. were on the cover they were on the cover yeah. um they soon got their own codex after that though they did they did well fourth anyway e, fourth e, I think um so Adam and I have been sucked back into that fucking bleak <laughs> cesspool. It's yeah, it's like the and, Godfather two where Michael Corleone oh is like lamenting how he keeps trying to get out and they keep pulling him back in. I, it's, except I'm like doing it myself. So I, I know, I right? And what's what's so weird is that I'm so happy about it and I'm so excited to be part of it. Um, well, it's I, like it's like uh, the people who relapse, right? I'm sure yeah. when Philip Seymour Hoffman started taking heroin again, he was probably like, "Yeah, yeah this like, is great." Why then, did I ever stop doing heroin? Yeah, why did I ever stop doing heroin? And I, then, I I really oh, have this why. feeling like in a few weeks, you and I are just going to be co- maybe not a few weeks, but let's say a couple months, you and I are going to be like completely burnt out and just like, why did we do this? But, um, what will happen is I'll probably have fun when I'm playing with my friends and then we'll bring somebody in or I'll play a game with a rando and then I'll be like, this is why I didn't play this game for years. Ago. Yeah. Before yeah. Because it'll be some guy who comes in with some hard as nails list, like not looking for a friendly game, just looking to like crush right. people tournament style. And then it just be like, this isn't fun. I, why am I doing this? I want to be very selective about vetting those that we play with this time, because I just can't, I can't do it again where we get like caustic personalities. Right. In the regular gaming group. I just don't want to do it. I can't Fool me do once, it. Shame on you. Fool me twice. Shame on me. Exactly. Exactly. Um, we can invite some old friends, you know, to come no, play. <laughs> we will not be doing that. We will not be doing that. Oh man. Um, so I bought Dark Eldar because Dark Eldar, man, it was the first it was the army that got me into forty K all those years ago. Almost twenty years ago now, if you can fucking believe it. Um yeah. Dark Eldar got me into forty K. And uh now Dark Eldar got me back into forty K. And uh, I've been collecting some models, and I just fucking love them so much. I really don't care that the goddamn, like, codex is shit. I don't care that they're terrible in tournaments. I don't care at all. I love the models. I, I love the flow. your favorite Death model? Watch. My favorite model? Yeah. In, in that line, I couldn't even choose. I love them so much. I love the Incubi. I love the Cabalite Warriors. I love the the new Raider sculpt. I love. Do they still the have that bites. dude with the barge with like all of his little no chain? Sir, that no. was they've been him for a while. Yeah, he's that he's, was a cool model. He is. Yeah, I mean it's kind of interesting. Azurball Vect, that's his name. Azurball yeah. Vect, yeah. And the Necron models have gotten a lot better too because I had some Necron guys. I was looking at those. And I was like, wow, they've actually given them personality because before I, they had no personality. Yeah, they're actually kind of cool. They now. were very blank before. Now that was why I like the yeah. Pariahs because they at least had a little personality. But now it's like now they're actually all really cool looking. In in my enthusiasm, my exuberance for 40k, I went out and bought a 40k novel, and I have been reading. I've been reading this like seriously, like fifteen hundred page tome. Which one is it? It's the Path of the Dark Eldar, which, oh, is, a, okay. which is a Dark Eldar <laughs> trilogy combined into one volume. Because I read, uh, I love it so much. God, it's so good. Is that I the read Eisenhorn first, uh, and then forty uh, k book you've read? Okay, I tried to read Eisenhorn back uh-huh. in the day. Yeah, and that's, I that's didn't a dense like one. it. I did not like. That's Ordo Xenos. I didn't. Or, I didn't understand what like forty k novels were supposed to be like, and I didn't like it at all. And that was a long time ago. I was a much younger man. And uh, now I'm kind of like revisiting it. I have a much more open mind. And I just 
fucking love being immersed in like dark Eldar lore. It is so great. I just love, I don't know. I get this like childish glee out of just like turning the pages and they right. smell so cheap mm-hmm. like and pulpy, you know? Yep. I've got these Shadowrun novels by um, Robert N. Charest or something like that. Oh God, these to be up. Oh, that's over here, right. How to Deal with a Dragon. It just takes me back to being like in sixth grade and being like, oh, what happens next? And that's <laughs> all that matters. Uh, is, is what happens next, and the, and and, and I, I I've been hearing this for a while on various other podcasts that um that uh, 40k novels have like a really high level of vocabulary, and while the prose level is not particularly high, I will say the vocabulary is challenging, which is nice. It's, yeah, it's, there are it's, a lot of fun to read. I yeah, had a couple of the right? Space Marine battles ones, and I had the Eisenhorn one, and uh one of the other ones, and I just they were all really fun to read. One was like about an orc war, and another one was about um one of the uh, I can't like the last stand of the space marine group and they were all really fun to read. Rin's world was one of them. And so I enjoyed them. Yeah. I mean, the, I, people have always people have been singing to me their praises for years. I've always just like pish posh them, but for franchise fiction, it's quite good. Um, I ran my Giovanni Chronicles uh, game last week. Ben missed it because he was ill. It was a very pivotal session. Womp womp. And um, so we kind of cut a little bit early because I really wanted Ben to get some FaceTime in there while while we were able to. Um, I felt like the session wasn't quite as good as I wanted it to be, but I'm the kind of GM that holds a very high standard. You know, like if I feel... I feel like if it's not transcendent, then it's shit. I have I, I also have a binary way of looking at the world, I guess, and that's not particularly healthy. They can't all be transcendent. Um, well, what I, was, I you've had art, this, yeah. Go you ahead. Know, art, you know, I've done art growing up and everything like that, and you're always very critical of yourself, and you're always going to have a vision that you want to meet, and usually you can't quite ever get that. You know, yeah. you can get close. And even when you get good feedback, like people like it and stuff like that, you're still very critical. He, he, he's, I just he's remember always how like insufferable this. the people were who in high school who were just like, I'm killing it every day. But- Everything <laughs> I touch is gold. I'm amazing. And you look at their stuff and you'd be like, it's not that amazing. Like it's, you know, and those people are always. Amazing. We've we've had lots of discussions in the past where, like, I've been one of the sessions. He's been like, ah, the session sucked. And I was like, I don't agree with you there. As a player, I thought the session was great. And then we'd have a, a talk about it and you feel better about it afterwards uh usually usually feel better about it afterwards unfortunately you weren't there this time and i had that same series of conversations with a different set of players and they kind of were like oh i mean ex post facto i had a conversation with some players and they were like oh no i really had a great time i liked this i liked that um i will say that at the end it did get truly horrifying the 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 session leading up to essentially the last 30 45 minutes was kind of banal and i felt kind of tedious but that last 30 or, or 45 minutes was just like, like really ghastly. And um, <laughs> I didn't have an X card out. I felt kind of bad about that. But at this point, I feel kind of um, very safe with people who are at the he, table. At this point, yeah, we have, we, you know who's at the table. There's yeah. no new players. We know, I think the X card had been there for a while and no one's used it. And so I think we kind of know where we're at with that. Oh, yeah, plus, yeah. I mean, it doesn't have to be an X card. They can always stand up if they'd be like, ah. The, you know, I thought that was interesting. I actually haven't ever played with a mechanic like the X card. So, you know, reading about that for the Arizona Game Fair and everything like that. I oh, that yeah. Kind of interesting. Because it's mandatory there, right? I th- I think maybe for at least certain sessions, because they do have, like, they ask for, like, an age group. It's and stuff increasingly like that. mandatory at, at most events these days. Um, and that's just, like, that's a lot of the safe spaces, rules, and things well, like that. Well, what's interesting. It, co- it coordinates very well with but, those, or it plays very well with those. I, I, I read 
I used to be very against the X card, and when I was reading about it and researching it like you were, um, I read about guys who were saying that the X card, rather than limiting me, actually freed me to do the stuff that I wanted to do. And I end up feeling like that's what it does for me, too. Because rather than like having to read worry the about table, like where everybody's at, exactly. they'll let you know if they're having a problem. Exactly. So instead of instead of having to hold back and self censor, I can just go and push. And if somebody's got a problem, then they always have the way to tap out. You know what I'm saying? So I, I I've become a very big proponent of the X card. Well, it took 20 years, but X finally gave it to you. <laughs> oh wow! There we go. <laughs> it seems like it's resist. a very kind of subtle thing too. Instead of you know normally someone would kind of have to like you know, stand up or make eye contact at the very least or do yeah. something else like that. Whereas, you know, just subtly kind of being like, hey, I, you know, kind of feel uncomfortable there without actually having to say anything. I think that that could be, you know, very powerful. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. Um, so I'm sorry you missed it, dude. It was, I'm it was tore up about it still. So it was unbelievably revolting. The final, the final scene was unbelievably revolting. But it does mean I get to do a separate session. Right, which next is going to be also we'll, awesome. We're, we're going to catch you up next week, and then we're going to, and then, and then we'll have our our full session on the night, like right in the middle of Arizona Game Fair. We're going to do a session, and I'm just going to be exhausted. I think I took that Monday off of work because I'm going to be so beat. Yep. Um, I, I'm also playing Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay with uh, Alex, um, our good our good chum Alex. He's a uh, He's running Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay. I haven't played in a long time. Is it a recent edition or an older edition? No, he's playing the uh, second edition okay. from um, from uh, what is it? Uh, Green Ronin. The the, okay. the what I consider to be like the the ultimate edition. It's such a great book. Have you what? played High Prophet? I haven't played uh, Warhammer uh, RPG. Oh man, it's 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 a great OSR game, and if you can get your hands on those, if you ever at like <laughs> the used bookstore and you see those old Green Ronin books of Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay, they're full color uh, hardbacks. Just buy them; they're so fucking good. When we were playing back in the day at Coral Point, was that second edition we were playing? Yeah, that was the second edition. Okay. Yeah. So um, that's the one I'm most yeah, familiar the with. The last edition was the Fantasy Flight Fantasy one, right? Flight, yeah, yeah. The, fantasy, the shitty Fantasy Flight edition where, where they were essentially... Like, took all the OSR fun stuff and, and like yeah. got rid of it. Yeah, they, it had cards and a bunch of other they things. They took out all the stuff that made the game what it is, and then they they used it as a uh, launching pad for that system that they have for Star Wars now. Well, good it, news, it was, uh, because Games Workshop Fantasy Flight both destroyed that agreement yeah. uh, by their by their mutual uh, violence violations of their contract so it's true they, they will not be making that anymore right and i'm very happy about that because the uh warhammer fantasy role play that fantasy fight was putting out was uh not only an abomination but also a bomb and nobody was buying it nobody was playing it and now uh hopefully games workshop will put that uh ip in the hands of somebody who can who can give us a, the game that we love which is rolling on a bunch of tables for everything to happen randomly and then a thirty-three percent chance of hitting at any given moment. I, um, I still hope that they can, someone can make a, a fun, cool, forty uh, k role playing game. Yes. So agreed. Um, I, I played one session with Alex already, and let me tell you, dude, it's so brutal. You have something like 10, 12 hit points to start with, but every hit that you take does about four points of damage. So you really only have like three or four hit points, and. Um, I almost died for a session. I, it, it was great. I absolutely love it. Um, playing again on Saturday. Can't wait for that. And then my final thing, the final thing that I'm up to is I'm playing in my first Infinity Tournament on Sunday. So, uh, listeners, if you could, you know, manifest 
uh, <laughs> good, 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 good dice rolls, and just like just just push that out into the collective subconscious, and just try to modify reality to create a bubble of of a. Uh, of, of positive kind of luck around my die rolling because my die rolling is is notoriously bad and I'm going to be completely effed at this tournament. Well, you got to commune with your dice. See, one thing I'm known oh, for man. is crazy rolling. So I think you got to bond with your dice. I have a dice in my pocket right now. Do you so, really? Yeah. So you, I thought you were just happy to see us. Well, <laughs> what, that's, that's the dice. What kind bag. of die is it? What kind of die is it? I have it? a 20-sided in my pocket. Do but, you? Yeah, you just take it out every once in a while and you got to, you know, you got to connect with it. So, you know, and there it, is. it could be superstitious or it could also be on a subconscious level. My mind is mapping out where all the yeah. numbers are and everything. Yeah. Like that or maybe hand. your pocket just yeah. uh, subtly rubs it and the do, edges off so it always rolls 20. I don't know. Do you know, Adam, the, the, the reality is just made up of energy. Okay. So, so, so the air that we breathe is, that the secret? is just, it's just, it's just, it's just, <laughs> it's just energy trapped in the form of oxygen, which means that we're all connected, buddy. He's got to visualize that 20 every time. I am gonna, I'm going to start doing that, dude, because I used to have a pair of, uh, not a pair, but a set of Wraith dice. Remember those original Wraith dice that used to run for Vampire back those in the day? You love those dice. goddamn They're my dice. player killer dice. Player killer dice. I just, whenever I got pissed at a character, I would bust those out. I would tell, I would tell Jeff, right? I'd be like, yo, Jeff, I'm busting out my character killers, right? And everybody would shit themselves because those things, I could roll, I could roll 10 dice and roll, and roll five tens. Well, Wraith, Wraith is was, a game about death, so I mean, there's... It's <sighs> apropos. I they know. probably did that on purpose. <laughs> anyway, so I'll be playing that. It's been my first tournament, and then I'm very excited. I'm very excited. Hope to do well. All right. So who's following some role playing books? Who's following Lions? What are people following? Give somebody give me something. I've been talking too much. I've been following the White Wolf stuff. So I what's, saw that. What's new? Uh, what's crapping over there? Night horrors book line version for beast came out which was uh is it the pdf though right yeah it came out it's the alpha version pdf uh conquering heroes i think that's called um <laughs> and that's got some of the heroic templates and it's got some creatures that hunt beasts for sustenance and some other stuff so if you're into beast at all like that may be something to look at the mummy <laughs> fiction and the uh, book came out too um I think that's all that's new from them right now. I'm still waiting for Wraith 20. If they could make that happen, that would be cool. It'll come. It'll come. And I'm still waiting on uh, Cult and uh, Toxicity and uh, uh, Unknown Army. Unknown Armies. But Unknown Armies looks like it's going to deliver on time. Okay, cool. And did you see um, that thing from... Uh, oh, jeez. There just was a blast from, from Toxicity. Toxicity. Where they were talking about the soft covers and everything already, and they're working on the hard covers. Well, think, the boxes, so. the boxes. Yeah, the boxes. That's, yeah, they that's had they had a test box that they had, but they had I forget what exactly what it said, but they had to to uh, find another company for something. I think. Yeah. And yeah. Kingdom Death finished up, and that made like ten million dollars or something. Uh, yeah, hundred million. Whatever. Crazy. Couldn't care less. I'm not not into that board game games. was off the that game just it went off the charts. That was it made the Kickstarter end of year wrap up email that they send out where they were like Kingdom Death is mm. amazing. They're they're gaming one. And the I, rest were all video games. Kingdom Death was the only like not video game one that was in there that I recall. Um I saw that uh soft covers for Apocalypse World second edition are shipping. So if you are on I think I'm on a hardcover for that unfortunately. Uh, I think I'm soft cover. I want soft cover. I, I can't I think, remember. I can't remember either. It's been too long. Um I profit what about you man? You follow anything? I've been kind of out of the loop the last couple of months, you know, holidays went out of town 
managed to get in a couple games, but I haven't really been following much. I feel you. I feel you. Um, for those who are listening and who are fans of our friend um, Justin Saroyes and his work, particularly the Dungeon Dealer decks and Beneath the Inverted Church, uh, Dungeon Dealer 2 launched on Kickstarter today, which is more... Oh, I'll check that out. I didn't know that. Indeed, right? So um, that's more uh, maze tiles for your randomly generated dungeon. And I can tell you straight up that uh, Dungeon Dealer 1 was the shit. Uh, Beneath the Inverted Church was the shit. Um, I also know that he's writing Beneath the Inverted Church. It's not the Inverted Church, but Beneath 2. I know he's writing Beneath 2. So a lot to look for there. But Defos, check out Dungeon Dealer 2 on Kickstarter. Um, What else is on Kickstarter? Oh, you know what? You know what's coming up, guys? You know what's coming up? Crit Hit? Crit hit. That is coming up yep. on Kickstarter. Crit hit 2017 on Kickstarter. Yeah. That was a rad time last year. It was a rad time last it was. year. I think it's gonna be a rad time this year. Um gave me the seed for my Gamma World game. I've I've been, it did it. It did. Nice. That was what I was planning on running there. Nice. Um I have been talking to Jim and we have we have been making plans, dude. There are going to be some little bennies in there for people who are pledging on the uh, Kickstarter. So um, we've got a lot of different stuff that we are planning to do. Um, so be looking for that. That's in less than two weeks. And and if you want to plan around that, uh, I keep asking Jim for the dates, and Homie will not give it up. He is being very, <laughs> very uh, close to the vest, huh? Indeed, he he's 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 likes to build the suspense. So uh, be looking for that on Kickstarter. That'll have some dates on it. It will probably be in the like horrifying midsummer. So I, I don't know if you necessarily want to travel for it, but I have some friends who are talking about coming in. So I really hope. Where from? I have a friend who is coming in from England. Oh. Jamie, wow. right? Yeah, Jamie is talking about flying in. <laughs> That's going to be quite a different climate for me. <laughs> Dude, Jamie and I are talking about doing like a wild role-playing LA weekend where we get bombed and game and then we come out here and we get bombed and game. So um, as long as he right pretends on. he's a lizard, he'll be all right. Yeah, That's he, the only you know, he, I can give. he says that he can hack it. He says he spent some time in the Caymans. He can hack the heat. So all right, all right, homie. Okay. Um, I'm I, I've also been kind of talking to Justin Saroyce, and I'm hoping I'm hoping yo Justin, I know you listen, buddy. I'm hoping. That he might be able to make it out for that yeah, as well. I'd love to meet Justin, man. That was a uh, I know the right? twisted mind that came up with fucking beneath the inverted church. Hell yeah! Ah! You know, so I think I think it's too hot. You just incinerate instantly. It's like uh, Sarah Connor and Terminator Two at the yeah. fence. I dude, exactly. That's how it always feels when the wind it just hits you in the face. Yeah, and it just, yeah oh. I was always surprised when I first moved out here because, like, see, I grew up in Louisiana where everything's a lot more moist. So mm-hmm. you, you leave bread out and it gets moldy. Here, it just turns to toast. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is crazy. I, I, I just presumed that you were from here. You're not from here? Uh, no, I've been here probably long enough. I've, I've been here since 2000. 
But, oh, okay. Uh, I'm originally from Louisiana. Every once in a while, my accent slips out. So. Oh, man. You should hang out with my buddy Alex. He is also from Louisiana. I'm sure that he'd be happy to meet you. Not everyone from Louisiana knows each other, Brendan. Dude, <laughs> I don't know. Like, the, my my buddy Alex, he's always talking about Louisiana. Like, he, I don't never. You know what? Never mind, dude. He's always <laughs> talking about, like, gumbo and etouffee and stuff like that. You see? There you go, man. <laughs> po see? Boys. There you oh, go. Yeah. Well, well, yeah, don't get my you wife started about po boys. Now, you know what, Adam? Now you're just being. Now you're just making generalizations. Okay? I am. I, I hope God. you feel happy with yourself. I feel All incredibly right. pleased with myself right so now. So we are gonna we're gonna take a little break, and when we come back, we're gonna talk all about palladium, because the homie. I profit. You are a, a megaversal ambassador. Is that I right? I am. I am a megaversal ambassador. So, you know, and it it it's a big title, but basically it's a volunteer program of like GMs that go around and try and promote the game, you know, run the game kind of like you would like a demo, you know, trying. The goal is to introduce new people to the the settings and, and the game and stuff like that and not just necessarily run it for people that are like, oh, yeah, I love riffs. But uh, so you know, when we can, we, we try and, and do stuff at, you know, game stores or conventions and stuff like that. So I've been slacking the last couple of years. So this year, you know, I've made a point to try and step it up. So I'm doing – you know, Arizona Game Fair, and you know, I'll try and find some other stuff, you know, maybe some of the local stores and stuff like that. So you might see me around doing stuff like that. Cool. Well, great. So we can also kind of kick off your crusade to get the word out about Palladium here, and you can have a, uh, a base of dozens, perhaps even more, listeners with which to to, to bring the, the gospel, the gospel of Palladium. Awesome. And we'll get to that as soon as we come back. talk about some palladium right awesome well i've enjoyed being with you guys so far very you know nice and casual atmosphere i feel like i'm just hanging out with some friends yeah man it's been great having you on thanks for coming out yeah yeah i appreciate the invite you know my wife was a little worried she's like should i make sure like 
you're going to some, some undisclosed location that you're going to come back <laughs> and stuff like that. I'm like, here's Text the address. Text me every hour on the hour. Yeah. That makes perfect sense. I mean, in today's day and age, why not? I mean, I'm, I'm happy that she that she had the foresight to ask that. You know, we don't, you don't know who we are, right? right? We could we be, be, could be junkies waiting serial murderers, sweet, murderers. Sweet palladium yeah. loot. The, the fact <laughs> of the matter is, is that we are weirdos. We're a bunch of weirdos. Well, which is the question know, is what kind of weirdos? I think we're more degenerates, Gamers, but I mean. You know, right, you, there's a certain kind. So, you know, it's not like I'm so far removed, you know. I, I'm definitely amongst, you know, like-minded people. So, but yeah, it's like going hiking, you know. You should always let people know where you're going in case something comes up and you go missing then people at least have otherwise you end up like james franco and you gotta cut your arm off (laughs) (laughs) yeah that really happened to him that did that was a documentary (laughs) and the events depicted occurred in real time (laughs) i bet you didn't know that well i actually adam (laughs) so uh i profit um lay it on us man what i really want to hear about let's let's before we get into the palladium stuff i'd kind of like to hear about some of your bona fides like maybe for the audience you could explain like how you got into this, like what your first games were, like what really brought you to Palladium, like like what the, you know, we all have this like sense of like, of like crushing love for whatever the thing is that we just like, you know, pine for the most. For me, it's like Vampire the Masquerade and probably GW games. I don't want to speak for anybody else, but so, 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 so kind of like lead sure. us down that path. Tell us, tell us about yourself a little bit. So, you know, growing up, um, you know, that's probably the most, the heyday of more like D&D and stuff like that. And, you know, I, I did play that when I was much younger, but uh, every time I played it, it was more focused on like the miniatures and probably the tactics and stuff like that. So not that it wasn't fun or anything like that, but it was probably more like an advanced board game as opposed to role playing. And um, probably what really got me into it when I started GMing uh, really young was, you know, I was into comics and I was... Um, I was reading some Ninja Turtle comics. It was it was the newer series, and they weren't quite as good, but, you know. Well, okay, okay. First of all, how old were you when you started uh, GMing? Just I, I would say, like, the sixth grade. So, like, 12, 11, 12, yeah. is that about right? So, yeah. I mean, I did That's go to awesome. first grade twice. That's so, so rad. You know. Yeah? Yeah. I was like, maybe 13? Yeah. Okay. So, so right. you're, you know, right Fair. there, you know. Right there before real teenage years. Kind okay, of okay. So, uh, kind of got into an early. You know what, what stood what, out when you said you were. It was the it was the Ninja Turtles, but it was like what 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 iteration? This is this is not this is. So it's, is is it still Eastman and Laird at this point? Well, I mean, I I did follow some of that, but um, you know, like the when the cartoons first started coming out, and okay. there's a lot of stuff like that. Yes. But, Interestingly enough is um, in one of the newer comics based on more like the cartoon as opposed to like the Eastman Laird, they had a uh, ad in there for the TMNT role playing game. And the wording in it really uh, to this day stands out in my mind. What was great about it is that it really talked about it being kind of more like acting mm-hmm. and telling a story. And it was kind of like an epiphany for me. Like I, it, the way whoever worded it, I I don't, I I have to go back and look, you know, like, but the, that ad just, it caught me. It was like, you know, being able to tell a story with other people and, and, and it's not just like, you know, games can be fun and stuff like that. But, you know, the one thing in my mind that separates an RPG from like, you know, a video game or a board game and stuff like that is that you just so have so much more depth and you have so much, 
I always tell players and stuff like that that, you know, you, in most RPGs, you have a chance. You can try and do anything. It doesn't mean you're going to succeed. But you you can try all sorts of crazy stuff. And sometimes the best stories come from trying something that no one expected. And sometimes even better stories happen when you fail at trying to do stuff too. Absolutely. True. Right. There's a whole even movement now of failing forward among a lot of game designers. Like you talk to guys like John Wick and them and they will talk and, uh, you know, at length about failing forward um, and at length about never doing locked door problems where if you fail a check on a door that's locked, it ends the story. Um, right. There should always be another way. You know, like in a role-playing game, like on a computer or something like that, you're going to – maybe they'll even give you some extra options to get through that door. But in a role-playing game, you can be like, I have this obscure skill that I haven't used – and I want to try and do this. And your GM's like, wow, I never thought of it that way, but let's let's try it. And and I think, you know, a good GM that allows for that creativity and, and, and wants to see where the story's going along with you, that's that's what really makes it powerful and, you know, much more meaningful for everyone is those moments that, you know, no one, you can't script that kind of stuff out. Exactly, exactly. It just kind of has its own flow. I love that. I love that moment. Um, and and I completely uh, relate to that moment of discovering Palladium books via those white and black advertisements that they would run, right, with like the black and white art on top, right. and then the second the bottom half of the mm-hmm. page would be in that in that Palladium font that they still use, right. And uh, I remember the one that had the uh, the kangaroos. With the Mohawks and the Uzis, remember that? Yeah, Mutants Down Under. Right. And I remember seeing that as, a, as a, about the same age. That's in sixth grade, and I was collecting Dragon magazines because I didn't, I didn't have a role playing group. I didn't know what role playing was, but I, I had this urge to do something. I didn't know what it was, but but, but the, but these Dragon magazines were, were coalescing that idea in my head, and I just saw those ads and I thought, that's fucking amazing. I want to be part of that. Yeah, and and like. Even though it was tied with TMNT, like I don't think we almost really ever did anything that was close to TMNT canon or anything like that. Like some of their adventures, with, they had some really good modules. One of my favorite modules they had was um, this great one for TMNT, where you you go to this island that has all these death traps. So like you're trying to infiltrate like this ninja organization, basically, or they they kidnap someone and you have to like get them back. And so. There's all these death traps that like you go in a room and like it's timed and you and you have to figure a way out. And, you know, there's like some riddle involved and there's like a three stage thing to get through it. (laughs) And that was, you know, that was such an awesome module in my mind. Um, But and they had a lot of good, you know, NPC characters and stuff like that that incorporate into our games. But, you know, we started out playing tmnt and you know like the whole group was mutant animals to begin with because that's mm-hmm. that was the whole stick of that and then we slowly evolved like um we ended up and that that's one of the things i think is the strength a strength of uh, palladium is um is their system is pretty interchangeable for most of their games like the core of it is pretty much the same and you you'll have like extra stuff for the setting that kind of makes it a little bit different but at its core you can have a character that's pretty interchangeable between all the settings so it was a natural progression for us to move from tmnt into heroes unlimited we were all a bunch of my friends were comic book nerds and stuff like that too so being able to um you know play that fantasy of you know of heroes and even villains and stuff like that so kind of rolled into that 
and then uh, shortly after that, you know, we we, get, we did get into riffs and stuff like that. We kind of played that in tandem, you know, between Heroes Unlimited style campaigns and and riffs and stuff like that. To me, when Rifts was released, was like a this like watershed moment. You know, it was almost where a paradigm shift was happening in the role playing community, because I remember the first ads for Rifts in those old Dragon magazines. And it was like, it was like coming soon rifts and these pictures of these like skeletal looking robots with the black armor. And I just was like, what the fuck is that? I like gotta be part of that. And then the next ad in the next month was we took rifts to Gen Con or Dragon Con or whatever the fuck it was. And we sold out in an hour or whatever. And I was like, I was like, everything in role playing is changing. It's becoming about crazy robots and cyborgs. Right. And it's kind of like, you know, peanut butter and chocolate. You're like. These things go together. Why didn't any of us think of this before, you know? <laughs> yeah. But but what's crazy now is looking back on it, um, Rifts has maintained this intense consistency over the past, I guess, like 30 years or something. It It's a little over yeah, 25 years old. I think it was 91 it came. I mean, my God. And, and, and now it's practically an OSR game. It so, has a really loyal fan base, too. I mean, at the game I ran this weekend, the table behind us was running Rifts to do Star Wars role-playing. Uh, they were running a Star Wars role-playing game using the Rifts system. And it was just fascinating to watch it. Like, I actually, because I got there early, I actually stopped and just watched them play for a while because I saw all Riff stuff. And I was like, oh, they're playing Riffs. I looked down at the table and the guy said, oh, well, what's the Wookiee doing? And I was like, whoa, what are you doing there? And I just sat there and watched them for a while. And it was fascinating just watching them do that with that. that that's awesome. Because it's a total toolkit. Yeah. I'll, I'll, you know, they, they cover everything, um, you know, from psychic abilities to magic to high technology to, to spells and, you know, just fantasy. And, you know, that's kind of where Palladium started, too, is that, you know, um, in Detroit, Michigan, that's where, you know, Kevin Sambita, Eric Wujic, and a bunch of the uh, players, they met and they were playing at what ended up being like the Detroit Gaming Center. And um, and and I think uh, Eric Wujic was actually a GM that brought in Kevin Sambita. But he You're started, kidding. Really? Are you yeah, serious? Yeah. That's amazing. And uh, um, a Julius... Uh, he, he he's a really nice guy. He I think he GM'd for Kevin and stuff too. So those were like his GMs when he started. And um so he kind of what he ended up doing is they they were playing like a a homebrew version of D&D. So they kind of like changed some of the rules and stuff like that. And what's interesting is kind of it's kind of basically a precursor to Rifts because like I have um a full out picture of their play group was called the Defilers. And uh, so because that's they, that's so edgy because they like defiled the guys. They were good guys, but they were they were defiling, you know, the evil gods and stuff like that. And it was this whole group. But and a lot of them are like there's like a cyborg and stuff like that. And this is basically like D&D. This is like late 70s. And he included all that stuff. And and that that's kind of like the seed in my mind of where some of that stuff came from. So like his very first game that uh, came out was um, uh, Mechanoids. Have you heard of that one? Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So in that, in my mind, it, it's pretty much like you take a Black Sabbath Iron Man and turn it into a, a campaign setting in my mind. But um, didn't the Mechanoids end up showing up in Rifts? Right. They did. They did. And yeah. pulling them into that. And I thought that was great kind of crossover and stuff like that. And so, and, after he did Mechanoids, 
um, a couple years later, that's when he did Palladium Fantasy. And um, Palladium Fantasy is very similar to what you would expect from like D&D and stuff like that. Um, you know, they probably have, you know, there's, there's some core differences. One of the things I always kind of liked about the Palladium system was how they handled alignments a bit different. Uh, yeah, so we're already there. I was, uh, this is, this is one of the things I wanted to discuss is, is Palladium alignment. I feel like Palladium skews towards heroic role playing. And oh, for sure. Okay, okay. So I, I would agree with that. Uh, well, it depends on the setting because most of their games I do think are heroic. Like it's easy to be heroic, obviously, in like Heroes Unlimited or even Rifts. It's easier to be kind of larger than life. Yeah. But although in Rifts, one of the character classes that probably don't get enough credit that I'm very fond of is the Vagabond, which is basically kind of like a, a bum. You know, you're just like a roving <laughs> person. You have like no real powers to speak of. You're just skills and experiences so there there are those kind of characters in that setting but some of the ones that i wanted to bring up to you guys i don't know if you're as familiar is some of their horror settings um are really good like uh beyond the supernatural is a, a favorite of mine and um one of their newer ones i mean it's been out for like eight years now but dead rain is a great setting too holy shit dead rain's been out for eight years because i'm just like i consider that to be like a new setting right and it is oh it, it is their newest setting i'm old <laughs> and what uh, what's great about some of those settings, too, is that because it's easy. Well, well, Rifts is great because you can you can adjust it to your group. You can change the power level so you can do it. There's so many different facets. You can focus on different areas. Like if you wanted to focus on technology, it's easy to do that without it seeming weird. Or, or you could run the all juicer campaign. Right. So like there's so many options and it just you know, every, everything goes or as, you know, focused as you want it to be. Whereas um, what's great about some of the, the more horror ones, like Beyond the Supernatural and Dead Rain, is that for the most part, you usually just play a, a regular person. Okay. So one of the core parts of their system is their skill system, in my mind, and usually that really what fleshes out a character. It's one of the things that can make character creation take kind of long. Back in the day, that was kind of something that, People usually commented about Palladium that that took time to make characters. Dude, I'm not gonna lie. I had a friend this morning text me about making Rifts characters. He didn't know we were even doing this interview. He texted me about making Rifts characters. I'm like, yeah, come over. Let's make Rifts characters. He goes, oh, it'll take eight hours. I mean, that's a day, right? But you know, but it takes. It can take a lot of time, but mainly because there's a lot of great choices, and it's it's not always what's the most powerful option like you you really once you're done with like a palladium character it really feels like a character from a store you know like it feels like something more real than just like stats but doesn't palladium cling to the like the percentile system the dreaded percentile well i for for skill roles it uses a percentile system but they also like one of the things i like about it is that you can never always succeed like the highest you can ever get any skill is 98 percent. so there's always a chance for failure and of course things are always modified by the situation you know any gm is going to be like that is like, true and you're, you're not going to you know roll every time like if you have pilot automobile like i'm you know you're saying i'm going to circle k i'm not going to make you roll on it you know just to be a dick every time you go out there but like if something comes up like oh you know someone ran out in front of your car now run it now roll it and then maybe 
at a slight penalty or something. Oh, sure. you don't want to do like roll to put on pants? Oh, you rolled a hundred. You fall out the <laughs> open window and die. You fail. Um, so, so because you're Megaversal ambassador, I mean, do you do you? Obviously, you're not playing one right now, but but what? But you run a lot of Palladium. You I, run a lot of Palladium. I predominantly. That that's your go-to setting, right? And when you do. What is it that you run when you because because there's a number of different lines. There's Palladium Fantasy. There's Rifts, as you said. There's Heroes Unlimited. There's Nightbane, which is one that I've always kind of like liked because me and Jim Miller we we like it's kind of Clive Barker in it Barker ishness. Um, I had a friend that did Nightbane growing up, and I do think it's an interesting setting. The in my mind, um, Nightbane I think is it's 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 very specific. So your options are not that it's necessarily a bad thing to have mm-hmm. it kind of focused, but in my mind, a similar setting would be like beyond a supernatural where you can do a lot of similar things and it's a bit more open. Mm-hmm. Like one of the things I, I think that one of the beauty things behind beyond a supernatural is like, you can sit down to play a game of beyond a supernatural and not have any idea what's going to happen because it can range. It can be so different because it, 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 it's kind of like closer to like being in like a movie because like they can have heroic characters, but a lot of times you can easily play it with just average people. You could be like, okay, we're all a household. You're the mom, I'm the dad, you're the kid kind of stuff. And, and then you're, it's parallel activity to the game. And then stuff starts happening and you have to figure it out. And you know, there could be red herrings. There could be, you know, like, so there's a difference between like, you know, when you're like a juicer and you're walking around and, you know, there's a threat and you're just going to run straight at it and, you know, you're probably going to kick its ass anyway. And but when you're just a regular person and you have no idea what that noise is behind the door, like and you know that you could easily die. So, you know, it's kind of like uh, a poisonous snake. In a lot of settings, like that, might not necessarily be much of a threat. Yeah, in D and D five, there's nothing. Like no one cares. Right. Whereas, like in a game like that, like you know, a poisonous spider could be like and that could put you out. You know, like that could end the night for you. You know, if you're not careful. So let's kind of rewind a little bit. <clears throat> so Palladium Fantasy, we've already talked about, kind of is just a fantasy game. Right, it's like got a lot yeah. of different. It, it it is a generic fantasy game. It's got a lot of different races, right. tons of different classes. But kind of explain for us, if you would, for the listeners who don't really know, just kind of quickly, if you could kind of hit the different lines. We've already said uh, Heroes Limited is superheroes. Sort of like maybe kind of like pitch rifts, maybe like pitch some of the other games you think are the best. Oh, sure. As 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 a, as a Palladium guy, like like kind of like sell Palladium to like somebody who who, who hasn't played it. Well, I. Like I said, one of the beauty things about playing Palladium is once you play one of the systems, you can easily kind of jump in between. So, like, if you had a group of friends and you didn't want to necessarily, you know, get caught up in the same campaign, you know, week after week, you could – It, I think it's a lot easier to shift between gears, change gears. Could I bring Beyond the Supernatural characters into Nightbane? Sure. So I could have like paranormal investigator types and like weird nightbane creatures together in the same campaign. Yeah, a lot of their games, and you know, they have a lot of books that talk about like, you know, crossing over and you know, like, you know, using it. Sometimes I even say like, use this as a supplement for this game. You know, it's it's totally cool. Like every once in a while, you they'll have like a conversion thing. Like Rifts is you know, 
kind of on a slightly different scale. So a lot of the yes. magic stuff usually gets ramped up. So like, you know, there's like a whole book called, there's actually two conversion book where you, you take some of the stuff from the other settings like Palladium fantasy. And they say, well, in this setting, things would be slightly different, you know, a little more uh, amped up kind of thing because okay. it is a little more uh, heroic type of setting. I think that's a apt description, but um, so yeah, you, you can, include a lot of that stuff and you know there's a lot of great crossover so you could even meld it so it's just like we said before that you don't necessarily have to be like this is the only thing you can do in this game you know you can use that as inspiration and 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 so since a lot of that stuff so close anyway you could easily meld that stuff just like i talked about you know we started as tmnt and didn't really have any superheroes and it, it naturally blended into a, a you know a heroic superhero type campaign and those characters just it was a natural it was almost seamless progression that we didn't even really have to think about and okay. the characters and all and and building stuff like th they fit you know how, how would you pitch rifts to a new player and do you find that rifts gets new players i mean do you feel like when you go to run rifts who shows up for it i I get new players. You yeah. know, I get people too that they've played it before, um, but you know, don't play it regularly, kind of thing. Sure. So you know, it's the, they have an idea, but yeah, a lot of times, you know, I've gotten new players and stuff like that. And I, I think riffs really the biggest thing about riffs is it can be anything you want it to be. So if it can be all be or, about dudes in mech suits, like with giant guns, or it can be right. right. You can cowboys riding dinosaurs, <laughs> right? And, and you can really uh, change the power level. Like I have a friend that he's a power gamer. He always wants to be some super powerful. Like he's been, <laughs> you know, like they have rules for a godling. Like he wanted to be a godling and stuff like that. So I had to like you know work that in stuff like that. Is this glory hog? Be real. No, this okay. is this is from growing up. So he he was always like. You know, having to be the most powerful thing and stuff like that. And so keeping him in line was always interesting. What's your favorite source book from Rifts? Like, what are, because, because Rifts is <laughs> there great. There are so many. Yeah, okay. Yeah. That, what, what, what's, what's weird about Rifts is that they started publishing these books in like the late 1980s, early 1990s, early 90s, let's say. And it's moving forward. And they, until very recently, within the last few years, they never did a second edition. And then they did a second edition of the core rule book. And they did a second edition of the first source book that ever came out for it called Vampire Kingdoms. And other than that, the books are basically the same books that they were back in the early 90s. Right. And so Rifts itself becomes a strange kind of portal to a different era of gaming where you're sitting down at the table in a contemporary setting with a contemporary context, and yet you're playing a game that is very, on some level, kind of old, but simultaneously current. And that, to me, is the kind of thing that's kind of like mind-blowing about it, is that it almost teleports the perceptions of the late 80s, early 90s into the present time, the present gaming table. Uh, and that's one of the things that I find both like fascinating about it and kind of like 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 um I don't want to say repulsive that's not the word I'm looking for but kind of like it's 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 sort of a turnoff I'm kind of like it intimidating just the sheer volume of 
of stuff that's out for well, it because I'm one of those. I, I'm a guy who when I buy books, I like to be a completionist. Oh boy, me too. And that would that would be tough with that catalog. And it <laughs> and that is the thing when I look at it, I'm just like, oh. So if I want to run this, like, what would I need? What would I even have? And then if I want to play it, what do I need? And I could just see this case where it's like, depending on who I'm interacting with, I'm just collecting volume after volume. What's interesting is that they actually will copy paste different classes because each source book comes with a myriad of uh occupa- what are called occupational OCCs character classes is, they like to use abbreviations yeah they're, they're big they're big on the abbreviations and then these things called racial character classes rccs and sometimes they'll just copy paste them from one book into another book oh so it's like white wolf yeah okay so it's a lot like white wolf so, so and sometimes they'll they'll flesh them out a bit more too like you know because they may have introduced it in one thing, but then they feel like they fit in the setting. They might give it more like, you know, like the juicers, they got their whole, oh. they got a whole source book during the, um, the coalition wars with uh, Tolkien. So like, there's a whole book, nothing about different juicer types and, you know, more background and wait, stuff wait, wait. like you that. You mean like in addition to the juicer uprising book? Well, that is that's that's the book he's talking about. That's the Tolkien book? It it is part of the 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 Tolkien series. Oh wow, I love Juicer Uprising. It's like one of my favorite books. I love it. My favorite Riff's books are Vampire Kingdoms, obviously, um, Juicer Uprising by C.J. Carella, who's like fucking dude. I love that guy's writing. That guy's an amazing fucking writer. Um, Mythic Russia and Warlords of Russia as a combo set. I feel like. It's this perfect kind of like like you were saying like chocolate and peanut butter. Like you put those two, you put those two books together, and you can you can do whatever you want with it. Right, and that's the thing. Like the Mystic Russia and the Warlords of Russia. Like you could do a whole campaign just on those two books. Yeah. Like I and that and and that's what most of those world books are about. Is like it's kind of like a mini setting within the set. It's true, because it's like you probably wouldn't have a reason to put in like um, Australia, Rifts Australia, into that setting. You know, but you could run, you could, you could run hours of gaming with just those two books, oh, right? Yeah, uh, uh, right. And so like there's two ways you can kind of do that. You can either introduce something and you can be like, I want to be kind of a unique character to whatever setting you're doing. So like if, like most of... Uh, Rift stuff happens in North America. So that's where m- most of the content is. But, you know, so like saying I want to have like an outlier, like I want to be, you know, like this, uh, you know, cyborg from Russia or something like that, mm-hmm. then you can kind of have that and you can kind of feel a little more unique and you can kind of stand out in the setting a little. Not that there's not enough to do in a normal setting. So you can do that or you could totally base it in that other area. You know, it's just like, I, you know, I hear all the time, like, like the coalition states and the coalition army, you know, it, I think a lot of people, it, it's very similar to like the empire from Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. I was so, about to say. you know, being able to kind of role play in that and it, it's, a, you know, kind of a different mindset and it's a different kind of setting in and of itself. Like if you focused on just like a group that were coalition soldiers going about their missions and stuff like that, you know, like that kind of sets the tone and how things are going to go for the campaign. And, and so you can kind of introduce these other things, but, you know, like at its core, you're, you're focused on this very specific thing. And so you just have a lot to pull from, and you got to treat it more as like you have extra resources, but you don't have to be forced to use it all. And I agree that it can, you know, seem kind of overwhelming, but you kind of just have to um, try not to include everything, you know, it, it, and there's a lot of great stuff and, and there's usually time, you know, you just, 
you focus on certain things and you try and let it move naturally. I think that's the important thing. What are some of your favorite riffs books then? Because there's so many to choose from. What are, your, what are the ones that just like get you like, I'm going to fucking run this shit out of this thing? I think um, initially probably my favorite ones was Atlantis because I love that book. It, it had such a great kind of uh, take on things. And, and, and that kind of leads me into, uh, I'll get back to Atlantis, but one of the things that I think stands out for riffs is the setting is so fleshed out. Um, I have a lot of friends growing up that they never GM'd, but they probably had as many books as I did because they were so excited to just get that new book and read about the new place and the new characters and how things were interacting in the world. So like it had a very vibrant, living, immersive world. So, and everything felt like it worked together. It wasn't just like, here's a new land with a reskin of different stuff, you know, like everything felt like it was there for kind of a reason. You know, that's the whole premise of Rift. Every book sort of felt unique, is what you're trying right. to say. Yes. They really did. Yeah. Each one, like, and the covers were so evocative that you just, I don't know, man. Like, as a kid, I'd see them in the game stores, and I'd be like, I grew up in this college town. that had, like, of course, college towns always have, like, a little bit of role-playing right in them. And I'd just be like, oh, holy shit. Like, look at those covers. I just, I mean, there was just something about them that just draw you in, right? Yeah, the the art definitely was a big point of that, but... And what's great is the art was awesome, but then when you went deeper, it wasn't just superficial. You know, like the art really went along with the setting and the characters and stuff like that. Like, yeah, I had three friends back when Rifts first came out. I think pretty much the first characters they made, there was like three of them, and they were like, we'll all be Loser Boys. I mean, I, mean, I was like a teenager, and I was like, I was like, I was like, mech suit plus giant gun, sign me up. You know, right. like that sounds awesome. Because it was pretty much the most powerful thing that you could really at face value from the main book, you know, like I was going to ask you, I was going to be like as a GM glitter boy or no glitter boy. I like a challenge, like I said, and adversity. So what I did was I found ways, see everything has got trade-offs. So one, that is a big mech and it is powerful, but it's a mech. So you're still a pilot. You got to come out of that sometime. And also there's limitations like it's got the pylons that shoots into the ground before it can really mm-hmm. fire. And it, 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 it creates a sonic boom every time, you know, like it's not subtle. <laughs> it's not, you're not like sneaking up on people and, and, and shooting them in the head with the thing. So that's like, really interesting. So I, you I, know, I find scenarios where they like, they, once they got to this complex, they really, it's like a, pre, they found an entrance to this pre-rifts complex and they really wanted to go in. But guess what? The entrance was too small for them to fit their glitter boys into. <laughs> so they had to get out and go in, you know, just in their flight suits kind of thing and like a sidearm. So like, and then, you know, all sorts of craziness happens after that. But Of course. Well, that's the, all the best GMs do that. Right. Yeah. Craziness ensues. Right. So you, you try and let players have things that they want. You don't necessarily let them run amok. But you try and find ways to balance it out and, you know, like some give and take kind of thing. I think that's I feel like so often when I hear people talking about rifts, I feel like it is players running amok, though. I feel like it's this like I feel like what I hear coming back to me. And this is not to speak about the system or to speak about the people who run it. Just this is just what I hear is I get like a lot of like just like this crazy shit. It's just like this crazy kind of like uh, like like over the top. Like players bulldozing through, like with 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 crazy stuff. Am I wrong? I think it can go into that, and and but that comes down 
to the GM, I think. So, so it's so, it's the GM's job, you know, like in my mind, you know, you're the referee, you're the storyteller that, that's supposed to guide stuff. So if you're letting your players run amok, and it's easy to – I agree that that, that setting – it can be easy to let things get out of hand because the power level. So tell me real quick, because this is one of the things that fascinated me when I was listening to the uninvited gamers and I thought I got to have this guy on my show because I'm listening to the, to your show and you're talking about rifts in this way where you almost sound like a white wolf GM or something. You're talking about like character driven story oriented rifts role playing, which to be totally honest, I didn't think was a thing. I thought it was all just basically like, I'm a glitter boy, I blow this you know, shit up. I always thought like my, my perception was very similar to that as well, which I always thought was really sad because there was so much cool like lore around rifts. Right. So there's there's so much to do besides you can still be powerful, but like that's the thing is there's usually something that can trumpet or there's going to be some situation that you're not ideal for. So, you know, and, and it is kind of that it, it you know, Superman kind of thing where like you know, you have less threats. So, you know, whereas like another setting like that, like we said, that poisonous snake is a threat, but like when you're a juicer, you're not really concerned about that. So there's still, there's still threat. Like that's the thing about rifts is even when you're like a godling or a hatchling dragon, like you're still like low on the totem pole compared to stuff like, you know, like you're not going to just stroll up to Atlantis and be like, Oh, I'm going to take out Lord Splinclight. Like there's no way, like he's like, god level power you know he has a lot of mega damage capacity as i recall right he he literally like you almost no single normal character would stand a chance and it's it's that way to kind of keep that perspective so to so you know that there are bigger things in the world than you and you know but i think a good gm let's like i said lets you have some of that stuff but put you in appropriate situations like it's easy you know that's kind of actually part of the setting is like someone with like high technology or something like that is supposed to be more powerful than your average person so someone could stroll into like a small village and they could have like a wilkes laser pistol that does like the minimal mega damage possible like 1d6 mega damage but in other games, like if you can, if you reference that to any other games, that's basically equivalent to being able to do like a hundred to six hundred damage. Of yeah, that's true. So there's, like, there's, there's a pretty pretty drastic inflation of the damage there, uh, pretty quickly when you get into rifts, huh? Right. With, so with the mega damage. Right. So you, you it's kind of like it's kind of like having a tank. Like a tank is really tough. Like if you try and shoot with a handgun, like you might scratch the paint maybe put some tiny dent superficial damage right mm -hmm. so that's the kind of the point with the mega damage and but like but still that person like he may stroll into that town with a wilkes laser pistol and he may be able to like one shot he's pretty much going to vaporize most people like they'll be smoking boots or something like that right <laughs> but <laughs> that's a good image i like that he still yeah. only has limited ammo he, he's not any physically tougher either so like it, think of like the old west like six shooters like they're a great equalizer like you know like a gunslinger kind of thing like he could take people out right but he also has limitations still he's still a human he's, he's still he's only as good as he is on his bad worst day at gunfighting too right oh good it only point. takes yeah. one day to <laughs> screw up right yeah. and then you're done but um and everyone's coming after you too even that little kid he's coming after you 
That's your son, and, he, and you're Gene to. Hackman, and, and right, it, you know, show up you're Leonardo old. DiCaprio. If, if, if you become, if you try and become a tyrant, like people are probably going to challenge that, or someone else is going to come and be like, "That's cute, but I have something bigger." You know, there's all there's usually yeah, a bigger fish. There always, there always was like the feeling of that, right? Like, because if I remember correctly, it's been a long time since I've read read riffs, read any riff stuff, but like. Isn't like uh, like Central America kind of like dominated by the vampires? Not like huge well, right. and right. It's called the vampire king. crazy aliens all over the place and the Splugorth. Splugorth, yeah. yeah. The, Splu- uh, the, the Zitikix too, right? Oh, the Zitikix are up yeah. around the Great Lakes, right? So there's 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 stuff all over. So like that's the thing is like that's why there's some th- sympathy for like stuff like the coalition states stuff like that is because there's a reason why they're so xenophobic is because basically. When the rifts happen, all this stuff. Oh, and I don't know if there's a setting they actually have done several books for over the last few years called Chaos Earth, which is oh, yeah, basically that. where you play rifts like days after the rifts happen. So when oh. everything was really crazy. So you're so like Glitter Boys and stuff like that are like still in service. Like there's a the whole government uh, sanctioned organization called NEMA and stuff like that. And so you're playing that you mostly play as like the freedom fighters that are trying to hold all the chaos back. Mm. And so you, it's kind of like a prequel type of setting. So it's okay. kind of interesting. Like they have like a source book called like the rise of magic and stuff like that, where like humans start figuring out magic again and, and, and all the complications that come along with that. So, you know, like, it's kind of interesting. I'm so, not going to lie. It's kind of interesting. Yeah, so coalition States, you know, like they're not just, they're not just like the empire. They don't just want to control everything. Like they, they're bred from, heroic sacrifice that like you've got all this stuff in the planet that's just slaughtering humans and turning them into slaves or eating them and stuff like that and they're they're trying to fight back so like but at the same time they're like human supremacists right Right. so maybe they've taken a little too far but at its roots you know and that's why like you can have people even in the coalition it's kind of like the empire that you could believe different degrees of it like there's there's probably there's good people in the coalition that they just they're afraid of what's out there and you know they're just looking out for their best interest and their family's best interest you know not everyone's a horrible you know not tyrant yeah okay so we're getting a little long i got one more question for you and then we'll kind of wind down um when i was listening to uninvited gamers uh you were talking about running rifts i think and you were really talking about like emphasizing the role playing and i just kind of want to hear your thoughts on like how you bring that out of people with the context the systemic context of of the of the game like your some of your thoughts on that you know like what is it that you use to like really inspire role playing in the palladium universe what i try and do is have really fleshed out characters like people feel connected with those characters like like the game i'm going to be running um at az game fair like they're all pre-generated characters but they all have you know fleshed out backgrounds they all have reasons why they're there they all have different motivations so because like when you're role-playing a lot of times you're going to have you know friction and stuff anyway people are you know going to find reasons to um you know maybe not get along as much (laughs) indeed so sometimes like having something that's more built in, having them an in-game reason to have adversity so that they can kind of role play that a little more and maybe more likely to come to a conclusion. Uh, I find that you, you kind of headed off of the past kind of thing. So like, sure, okay. So the, um, 
the scenario that I'm going to be running that I've ran multiple times. So like there's this whole adventure part to it. It it's actually I'll go ahead and tell you a little yeah, bit yeah, about it. Yeah, yeah, pitch it, man. Go for it. So it's uh called The Legacy of Tozak. Cool. And basically it it takes place in the um Ohio Southern Great Lakes area, which is a kind of a part of North America that there's not much source material for. So you know, I felt having grown up there, I can tell you why. <laughs> so I envisioned it as, um, you know, I try to come up with backstory and stuff like that. But the, the long and short of it is that there's a group of cyber knights. So anyone that's not familiar with uh, rifts, they're basically like a cross between like Jedi's and knights of old. You know, they, they create almost lightsabers with psychic energy from their hands kind of thing. That's actually Cyber Knight on my shirt right oh, there. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, this is a great shirt. This Palladium Books Game Master shirt is fucking the bomb. This looks really great. So you, you got this group of Cyber Knights, and there's this... In the, in they So they police this area. They try and keep all the local communities and stuff like that that can't really protect themselves safe from... Because the magic zone is... a is south of there where the uh you know the mississippi and ohio river valleys and stuff like that and you got the coalition states so they're looking out for them but is it kicks around there too right right that that's more like in the canadian uh, region and stuff like that right so you've got all this stuff kind of surrounding that you kind of have to worry about so they're looking out for the people and there's this mysterious plague that starts happening and they they've done all they can you know this is a world where there's high technology and there's high magic so you'd think they'd be able to come up with a solution but there's something weird about this plague and they can't seem to stop it at all and it it, it seems kind of very random and they're not sure they're kind of getting to their you know wits end about what to do about this and then their lord you know like the main cyber knight comes down with this so he's kind of out of commission so like one of the central characters is and he can either be just kind of more a catalyst type character. Sometimes it's, I like to have that as a, a GM, as an NPC that you can kind of keep stuff moving with, but you don't necessarily want it to be. They're not really the main protagonist. Right, right. And so he can be. So like if a player plays them, then they're they kind of taking on that role and kind of being central to the story. They're 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 organizing this group that's going on this last disc quest for this ancient relic artifact that could solve their problems so and then so but the cybernites are already you know tapped out resource wise so they're putting a small bounty on this and stuff like that and 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 willing to provide resources but for the most part like you got to question why everyone else is there you know because it's like the money's not that good so why is everyone else here so Mm. there's going to be some people there that you know they're probably there for the goodness of the community and stuff like that but you know, there's going to be other people that have their own agendas and stuff like that. So I, I like to usually tie that kind of thing in is like I'm a big proponent of if you have a character and you think there's cool stuff about it and let you reveal it at your own pace and and how you want to with the other characters and not just like everyone gets to look at everyone's character and stuff like that. So I like you to have some private stuff to your character stuff that you can reveal as you go and, and, and allows you to kind of. Um, grow with that character and grow together with the other characters, you know, as you learn more about each other as you go, it, it becomes more, you know, like 
real characters. Not that's just, what makes a good vampire game. Go right, ahead. But given that that focus on character and story and the creation process and everything, how do you feel about lethality in your games? Um, and you know, um, threats against the players that could kill their characters uh, or end them prematurely. I, I, you know, sometimes I roll a little too good, and there's been times where I've kind of pulled back on what I was doing because I wasn't intentionally trying to kill someone and it just seemed kind of cheap. But uh, for the most part, I think um, having that chance that you could die and, and then sometimes you do die, that can, that can be powerful and that can be memorable. So um, if you're okay. doing like a campaign, then there's always a chance that you can get that player back in. Um, so I think that, you know, if you didn't think anyone was going to die, nothing's going to seem very threatening. Right. So I, I'm, I'm totally fine with um, characters dying either by sometimes it's bad luck, sometimes it's a bad decision. Um, so there's lots of ways that can happen. You know, I'm never out to try and kill my characters. I, I don't, I don't consider it like a contest, you know, and there's actually some play MGMs like that. All right. It's a really lopsided contest because as a GM, you have all the power. Right. And you can always, you know, throw at them what you need to. Right. And, but I, I feel that's pointless. I, you know, like you're there to tell a story together. The one thing I really like about role playing and, and I always was able to do with Palladium system is that you're, you're telling a story together. Like I don't, I try and have, a backbone of something, but I want us to tell the story together. I want the characters and the other players to tell as much of the story as me. That's why like you can have like a scenario, like the one I'm going to GM. And I think it's great. Every time I play it, it's going to be different. You know, like the ending could be different. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. The the journey along the way could be different. Even though it has the same characters, things are going to interact differently. And so that, you know, finding that journey out together to me, that's what I like about role playing that takes it from like, like reading a novel or watching a movie is great, but you kind of, sometimes it can be kind of predictable and it's one person deciding these things are going to happen. So when you're role playing, you have multiple people all trying to do different things, potentially sometimes working together. And because it's more like the real world is everyone has yeah. their own motivations. Everyone's trying to, to do certain things. And then stuff happens and and then things succeed and sometimes they don't and that's where the story comes in is just because you have a plan just because you think you are the protagonist and you're going to achieve whatever that might not happen it could you could be playing a tragedy and you don't even know it so that cooperative storytelling at its best right so i gotta say man like i really feel much more excited about palladium role-playing having having talked to you today and I'm absolutely certain that some of our listeners are excited as well. And I bet that they are thinking, how can I get involved with Palladium role-playing, specifically what it is that you're doing? If, if, if there are people in the Phoenix metro area and they want to play in one of your games, is there a way that they can interface with what you're doing? Because i got to say, like, look, I've listened to some Palladium podcasts, and it's it's pretty derpy, man. There's a lot of there's a lot there's some derpy derpy people playing Palladium. But if somebody's if somebody's like, no, this is like some real fucking role playing shit, and I want to fucking inter interface with it, like how where can they find you? Like uh, Arizona Game Fair, obviously. Uh, you can you can always email me directly at uh, iprofit 
E-Y-E-P-R-O-F-E-T. It's not quite phonetic, so I spelled it out. But uh, <laughs> See, you, I was doing Gmail, iProfit like iPod the whole time, like it was the letter. I. Well, I kind of did that on purpose. Like I wanted it to kind of, when you you read it and or heard it, that your mind would could take it in different ways. Like, So I, I like that. So, you know, for whatever reasons, I'm weird. But um, So at iProfit at Gmail... Uh, you can you can email me if you have questions and stuff like that. Uh, Palladium Books has a forum that you can always go to through their main site. Uh, they have a they, in the last couple of years they they really upped their website and it's it's pretty nice. So good. You can good. always find out information about their products and stuff there. Uh, like I said, the the forum's pretty good. You can contact me directly. Um, I do plan to try and do some more stuff uh, this year. You're gonna do some demoing around the valley. Yeah, I'd like to. You know, like okay. some, you know, like you know, Game Depot or you know, some of those stores. Just kind of, you know, do one ofs. To, you know, try and give some forewarning, and then people that want to try it out give a chance to try it out. Well, if you ever are like a couple weeks out and you want to like put the word out, just let us know. We'll totally put it on the show so people can, that. can awesome. get to one of your games. Um, I really like what you've what you've brought to us about Palladium. I definitely look at Palladium differently than I did before. Where where, I mean, I kind of kind of brought back some of the old it. like uh, the old kind of wonder at like a lot of the yeah. craziness that was in Palladium that was yeah. just really fun. And there, there's a lot of settings like, and and that's why I brought two books for you guys to check out like the dead rain and the beyond the supernatural settings. If you, if you guys are big fans of vampire oh, that, it. um, I really think you'd probably enjoy those settings. Okay. You know, I'm really, cause, um, I'm, I'm not gonna lie, man. I've been, I've been on eBay looking to, I've been looking for a, a night Bay and like collection to pick up. I have some rifts. I'd really like some night Bane, but I, I'm now I'm thinking if I could merge this, like a night Bane and a beyond the supernatural, and have like maybe some kind of like paranormal investigators or occultists with some like you know Clive Barker creatures, right? And and I do like Nightbane. Nothing slight against that. Uh, I do think it's a, a cool setting and stuff like that. But if you want a little more options, then like you said, like taking yeah. the Nightbane stuff and you can easily easily incorporate it into more like a Beyond the Supernatural setting, which is you know like for a lot of people you can easily turn it into like a an X-Files type of campaign yeah. kind of thing. You could easily do that. And you it's great for one-ofs too. Like kind of like role-playing a horror movie. Like you don't know what the villain is. You're ju- you're improvising. You're just a regular person. Those can be really fun sessions too. Great. Good. Good. So, um you're on a podcast. Do you want to tell the listeners about it real quick? You want you want to you know, pitch the podcast that you're on? So, I I uh, am also one of the uninviting gamers for uh Glory Hound and the uninviting gamers and um She's a great lady. She does a lot of good demos and stuff too. Most of the stuff she does is focused on board games and stuff like that. But you know, I, I like board games. So, uh, but we we tend to role play every once in a while. So, um, so yeah, you should definitely check out that podcast if you're interested in uh, board games or you know like. But also, it, it we're more. I think we're labeled more as entertainment anyway. So like that's kind of like the setting as you were is we, we try and keep abreast of current um, game stuff, you know, Kickstarters and stuff like that and what we've been playing and give our feedback and everything like that. But for the most part, we're, we're just having, we're having fun too. So, it, you know, it, it's kind of like a sitcom, you know, where we're all like silly characters and stuff like that. So right on. Well, I think that just about does it. Um, 
we're gonna wrap up here you know um thanks for coming on i profit i i it was really great i really appreciate you guys having me dude it was so great having you on thanks for being so game and coming out and talking with us and i'm really hoping that i get an opportunity to play in one of your riffs games because i you know i've never played rifts like I've, i i i literally at one point had an almost complete collection and i was like chomping at the bit to run you were going to run it and i remember yeah. we were i was going to be a juicer in that game yeah, and i was you super rolled up excited a juicer. you rolled yeah, up a juicer yeah i was and super I was, excited i and uh i i picked up um the the second edition cuz i saw it at bookman's it was on the cheap ultimate edition yeah the the new um main book is really nice they kind of updated some stuff and fleshed out some of the character classes and stuff it it's a really nice core book and it's got this fucking killer cover and um i at the same time there was a juicer uprising there and i just couldn't say no i had to have a juicer uprising because it's like my favorite rifts occ most people the juicers are one of the probably you know the top you know couple they're so cool. They it's are. Such a, it's a, it's, it's a, such a great a cool, idea. It's it's, a, it's awesome. It's a great idea. It's, it's one yeah. of the things that you can get in rifts that you can't get anywhere else. Like you cannot get it anywhere and, else. And it sums up. Sorry to cut oh, no, you go off, ahead. but it, I think juicers are a great example of the setting in itself because like you've got this really powerful character, they can do all this stuff, but there's a limitation. Yeah. Like yeah. they're only probably going to live six years. Like yeah. You know so. That that I can't. It's uh, it's almost like it's a microcosm. It, uh, sums up the setting. I always like thinking about the mentality. What type of person goes through that willingly, so they can like, they can like do all this for like six years. You do, know, like do, like do you remember the Funker Vote song "Tragic Hero"? Yeah, yeah. It's like it's like it's like it's like that. It's uh, like it's like it's call like so me epic. a tragic hero. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> it's just, it's just so it's 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 like Wagnerian in this certain sense. Now, okay, okay. Last question. We're, we're almost we're just we're, we're out of time. Everybody's annoyed with us already. But but seriously. Regular rifts or Savage World rifts? I'm more of a regular rifts man myself. Okay, I, I, I think Savage World that. is fine, and I think it it it's more to kind of incorporate, make it a little easier to to get into, kind of thing. Like like Adam was saying that the 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 the, the catalog is kind of impregnable, so maybe it's like a gateway drug kind of right. So I mean, and the setting has a lot of great aspects to it, so having that in other stuff is totally fine. You know, like we talked about like the Rifts card game and stuff like that. It's a great setting. So yes, I can understand, you know, jumping right in. That's probably one of the main reasons why you didn't start a campaign with that. It's like, where do we start? Yeah, that was analysis paralysis. So, you know, sometimes you just, you, you, you know, you start at the shallow end or just start one step at a time and you just, you, you grow. You don't try and just throw it all at once and then it might get a little too chaotic. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, dude, it's been super great having you on. Um, take a second, just like to reach out to our listeners real quick. And, uh, you know, if you want to get in touch with us, if you want to reach out to us, of course, please check out our website, fullmetalrpg.com. Uh, Adam has been posting a lot of really compelling reading on there. And Ben and I have been complete pieces of shit who haven't. Um, <laughs> Don't worry about it. The site stats indicate no one's reading it anyway. So. Oh, great. Well, <laughs> so you're good. I was so, just so, on there the other day. <laughs> you, might, you, may be a, you may have been one of two, I and am, I was the other one. I am talking to nobody. Great. Um, you can always email us at fullmetalrpgofficial at gmail.com. Um, the best way to get in touch and interface with the podcast is through our Instagram that's Full Metal RPG on Instagram. Um, 
I'm pretty good about about responding to that pretty quickly. We are also on Facebook, Full Metal RPG on Facebook. And I will say, like, if you feel like you've reached out to us through via Facebook or you've done something via Facebook and we haven't responded, please don't feel bad. The way that Facebook works is in, it sucks, and I have the hardest time telling what the fuck is going on with it. So <laughs> I apologize to you. Please don't reach out to us via Facebook. Hit me up on the, the, the email. Hit me up on the Instagram. I love to interact with the, the listeners. I love to answer your questions directly. If you have questions about how to run something or what to run or whatever the fuck, I am super happy to interact with you. I hate Facebook. Please don't interact with the Facebook. Um... You can follow my personal adventures, as dismal as they may be, at Brendan Carrion on Instagram. You can follow uh, Shadow Sworn Adam at Adam.Sync on Instagram. Also, the Warlord Amanda is at Warlord Amanda on Instagram. Um, you know, we would love it if you would take a chance and um, post a review for us on, on iTunes. Uh we haven't had one, I think, this year, and we're just, our hearts are breaking. Um, we're just well, getting started, you know? <laughs> don't, don't take the pressure off them, man. Oh, um, you should totally, like, they need you. Where are we, you? They we, need you, we, man. We need these reviews. Now, I, um, please, this is this is how the podcast reaches more listeners. Um, tell your friends, tell your neighbors, tell your pets about this quirky Quirky podcast you listen to, Full Metal RPG, full of uh, drunks and lushes, full of crazy hijinks, and, and other and other um, and other individuals with opinions about role playing games. Every kind of wackiness imaginable. Oh my god, <clears throat> and then some. Um, if you if you listen to our podcast and you really feel like you cannot give a five star review, email me at Full Metal RPG official at gmail.com, and I will address whatever it is. Uh, I, I, I would love to hear from you, good feedback, bad feedback, but if you find it in your heart to leave us an iTunes review of five stars, that would make my fucking day, and I will read on the air your words, so you can write whatever you want on there, man, I will read it. If you want to turn me into your, like, Manchurian candidate, dancing monkey, who <laughs> just says weird shit on the fucking quote-unquote radio, please... Please do it. Or just string I, together a bunch of words that are hard to pronounce and see how we do it. Oh, my God. Or something that, would, like that. that would be amazing. I would love that. I would welcome that. So um, so, so think about that. Hit us up whenever you want. Um, I'd like to thank, once again, iProfit for coming on and talking to us. Um, take a look at your local uh, game store for some Palladium shit. Thank you to Adam for showing up once again. Thank you to Ben for showing up once again. And we will see you at the end of the month for another episode of the Shadow Sworn Radio Hour. That's next. Thank you all, and good night. Peace out. Goodbye.